second super show uh full transparency i just got a job cross country so now i live in maryland uh it's a little crazy but i had to drive 10 hours to be able to see the game um two sundays ago work started uh it's been super busy so wasn't able to get get out uh, episode, uh, the next the last episode where i was going to go into the heartbreaking loss against the browns but also enough time went by and next thing i know because holiday season cardinals game happened so today we're going to get a super show i'm going to give a brief synopsis of what of what's going on what we're looking forward to for the bears um still in the playoff hunt i hate saying it but we're still in the playoff hunt also i want to um get a good chance to show what we're going to look at as far as the offseason as well so just kind of more of a looking forward avenue with the show still going to be doing these um throughout the offseason as well so it's my favorite time of the year right um so sit down relax it's time to bet that up baby So it's two games left in the season. Um, Bears have Atlanta Falcons and Green Bay Packers the next two weeks. And while prepping for the show, I thought that the Bears were done when uh, took the loss to the Cleveland Browns. When when Darnell Mooney let that Hail Mary fall out of his fingertips and it got intercepted, I thought that we were eliminated. And I wasn't really following things, just like I said, the intro. I had a feeling the season was over. My my work my work schedule um, got very busy, and so I was just in the mindset that the season was over. Let's time to start to get ready for next year. Then when I was prepping for this show, I look and see that we're still in the hunt technically. So it's a one percent chance to uh, for the Bears to be able to come out and make the playoffs. It's really crazy, but uh, give me the scenarios for the next two weeks. So, of course, we have to um, beat the Falcons. Uh, the Giants have to beat the Rams. And then the Steelers need to beat the Seahawks. And next week, uh, we, have to beat, we have to beat the Packers. The Cardinals have to beat the Seahawks. And then the Rams have to, I'm sorry, the Niners have to lose to the Rams. So, if all those things, all those things happen, the Bears will get that seventh seed in the playoffs and will be playing... Maybe either the Lions or the Niners. I'm not sure who is going because both because um, the Lions are going up, so they might get the first round by. I've never thought I'd say that in my life, but so in this episode we're going to go a little bit different. I'm going to, of course, we want to preview this uh, this game coming up against the Falcons because it has playoff implications, which it's crazy to say this late in the season, but also. Very much important. We're going to also start gearing towards this off, the offseason and what it's going to look like. Scenarios that Bears fans should be um, be going towards as well, too. So, a 1% chance. We're not eliminated yet. 
two really big games, not only for us as far as playoffs go, but also just to see what, who's going to stay on the team and who isn't. Uh, There's a lot of speculation going out here, but let's go into the preview first about it. So uh, Sunday, Atlanta Falcons are at home against the Chicago Bears, and oddly enough, the Bears are a favorite, three-point favorite on the uh, on the road against the oh uh, on the road against the Atlanta Falcons, which is I'm sorry, they're on the road, they're at home. Bears last home game of the season. Three-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons, who have been have had a had a struggle um, at the quarterback position. It's not really sure about who they're going with. They're going back and forth between Tyler Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Both have been kind of putting up kind of bled numbers. The offense has been struggling. Um, a lot of things haven't really been going great for the Falcons, but they are in a playoff hunt mostly because of how great their defense has been. As far as this, um, stop stopping teams from scoring and getting turnovers, so this is going to be one of those interesting games because if you look at it straight strictly as a X's and O's kind of feel on it, is the strength on strength. Their strength is uh, their strength is stopping the pass, which we're not really good at. Um, I'm sorry, not strength on strength, strength on weakness. They're not that great. They're middle of the pack as far as stopping the run. And they're one of the best teams as far as stop, uh, as far as stopping the pass goes. Uh, Jesse Bates, who is their um, safety, who they got from Cleveland. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. He has 117 tackles on the season and six interceptions. So he's been all over the field, and they are allowing less than 200 yards a, pa- a passing game. Um, so this is going to be a game that Fields is not going to have a ton of luck as far as passing the ball and getting over 200 yards passing so that that is one negative thing about that but they they do give up this amount of running uh, rushing yards um giving up over 100 yards per rush and that is where the the scrambling from justin fields and the running back by committee with khalil herbert justin roke roquan johnson etc um foreman is going to be able to help out with um, um in this run game but it's, it's going to be a, a battle with wheels because just like we're struggling trying to get in the playoffs, the Atlanta Falcons are still in the thick of the overall play, playoff um, run. They're, they're basically on the way getting in, realistically, is winning the NFC South, which would be, um, which is still wide open for them, and especially with how bad the division has been over the entirety of the year. So. That it is what it is. It's going to be one of those ugly games, especially in Chicago. The over-under is 38 points, so it's going to get kind of nasty. Um, I think this game is going to be running one in the trenches. Um, just seeing if our guys will be able to get to that second level and block. So, our ter- interior O-lineman, um, center... I mean, Ontario O-lineman and our and um, Darnell Wright need to be able to get their blocks with consistency, and we need to stay ahead of the chains. Of course, we all know that Getsy has had issues as far as cl- winning close games and calling the right plays to make sure that we're not too far behind when it comes to our 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 offense. And it gets kind of cute towards the end of the um towards the end, and there are a lot of questionable calls when it comes to coaching um, with Getsy and with Eberflus. But as far as this game goes, this is one of those 
hey, you need to be coaching for your jobs. Eberflus needs to coach for his job and stay consistent. I think one of the things that Bears fans are frustrated with Eberflus is that he it, it feels like he gambles in the wrong in the wrong kind of moments. He'll 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 play it safe late in the game and either try to kick a field goal or punt where we could easily try to um, get the points. But then early in the game, he'll be overly aggressive and it'll cost us points. So it's a very interesting game. Both teams do not have good coaches. Both both, co both coaches should be candidates for uh, Black Monday to get fired first. So, I mean, to get fired during Black Friday. So it's one of those really interesting matchups, especially because we don't play Falcons often either. So I'm, I don't want to be a homer, but also the Bears are favored in this game. And it's really going to be interesting overall. So I'm going to look at this and say that in an ugly game, I'm going... Bears 19, Falcons 17, um, keeping the hope alive. Uh, overall, I don't see anybody from the Falcons really threatening us offensively. Uh, B. John Robinson, who is their dog uh, running back uh, at the start of the at the start of the season, really hasn't got as many touches as I as, as I thought he would. He's him and um, Tyler Aguilar has been splitting carries, so it's the defense. Their, their offense is a little bit in flux as well. They don't really throw the ball to Cal Pitts as much. So Cal Pitts, who another guy who I was excited about coming out of college, really hasn't got things going either. So I, I I don't have I don't really feel that Drake London is going to be able to steer this game over, especially with how the Bears secondary and Montez Sweat has been able to flip teams over and make sure that teams don't really have a lot of um, big plays in the passing game. Um Yes, Desmond Ritter is um, is faster, but he's not he's not gonna be in the game as much. I think it's gonna be Tyler Heineke, and I have, like our chances against Tyler Heineke, um, especially in a must win game where guys are still playing for the playoffs, which is once again crazy to think of at this point of the season. Um, but that actually gonna lead me a little bit more into um, what I'm looking for as far as this overall game, I think it's going to be a lot of intercept, um, a couple of interceptions. So I think Heine is going to throw like at least two interceptions. Um, and this is going to be just an ugly game. Got a lot of head scratching calls, a lot of things that's going to make people wonder what's going on. But overall, I think that this is going to be a game that we're going to, um, overall just impose our will on the offensive side of the ball and just run the ball down their throats. It's going to be kind of tough because they, the Falcons do have a lot of players on the defensive side that are sure tacklers. So I did mention earlier that Jesse Bates has 117 tackles from the safety position, which is really impressive. Caden um, Ellis, the, um, one of their linebackers, has 110 tackles. Nate Landman has 94 tackles, and he he's only played 14 games. So they're a team that... You're not going. You're not really getting to the second level that often. So, really interested to see how these guys play, because um, I don't really t um, watch a lot of NFC uh, South football. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how these two teams match up. But I'm going to segue really quickly into um, what's um, what is going to be our worst case scenario. If the Bears do lose this game, we'll, they will be eliminated out of the playoff hunt, and it was time to focus more on the off season. Um, yes, I want to play spoiler. I think it will be great to play spoiler against the Green Bay Packers, but we know it's going to be nothing really to play for other than just pissing off Green Bay, which honestly I love. Um, this is one of those 
pivotal off seasons and I'm going to put my fandom to the side when I um in this segment right here. So I am a Justin Fields fan. I'm a Justin Fields fan because I have not seen the Bears draft a quarterback that had this much talent uh, in my life. I have not seen a Bears, the Bears draft a quarterback that was good, that could start, that had a pedigree from the high school level onto the college level. And so seeing, getting a player like that and seeing that a lot of fans were either to one side or the other about one, having keeping Justin around, it it really just put me in a mood of of being un, um, being biased because I was always arguing for Justin to stay on the team. I was all, I was always saying, "Hey, why throw over Caleb Williams when we still have a perfectly good quarterback that knows DJ Moore and knows the, and knows the team and the, and he's a leader on, uh, on the team." But I do understand the other side of the argument. Not winning a lot of games, um, even though last year around this time we were clearly out of the playoff hunt, and we had the number one seed all but locked up, um, a top four seed all but locked up. And this year we're still we're we're in the playoff hunt, so there there are improvements. But I can see people who saw the progression of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and all these other um, quarterbacks in year three, and Justin Fields didn't have that big progression, mostly because I feel like the weapons are all the way there. But, you know, this is how the game works. We're a microwave generation now. So we're not going to sit back and say, oh, hey, what's going on here and there? Um, especially if you look at teams around the league that have given their quarterbacks more time. Jordan Love is in his fourth year in Green Bay, and they're just a game better than us in this standing. So it's just all about patience when it comes to what we're looking for as far as um, overall with, with, with Justin. So I've come out with two scenarios for, um, for what we're going to do with quarterback. So scenario A, scenario B. Uh, scenario A is trade Justin Fields. Uh, not just because everybody nobody wants him here, but there actually will be a market for quarterback. So I have a list of teams that will be interested in getting Justin Fields because he'll be a, an immediate upgrade for what they have right now or their quarterback position is in is in a little bit of flux as um, as of this season. So we have the New England Patriots, the same Atlanta Falcons that we're playing this week, the Ve- the Las Vegas Raiders, the Giants, potentially the Arizona Cardinals because we're not sure what they're going to do with Kyler Murray, uh, especially if they're going to be picking at number two. Uh, will they do the rebuild and trade Kyler to somebody else? Nope. I'm unsure about that. Uh, Denver just benched Russell Wilson this day at the day I'm recording this podcast, which is a which is on Wednesday. So not sure what or they're going with quarterback either. Pittsburgh um, is Kenny Pickett the answer there. Um, they have enough talent on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball to be able to at least compete in the NFC. I mean in the AFC. So will they make a splash and try to tra- um, trade and get uh, Justin? It's really interesting. Um, what will they think about there? The Commanders are another team who who are looking for stability in the quarterback position. Can Eric the Enemy um, work with Justin Fields and make him into one of those um, elite level passers like he did with Patrick Mahomes? And my last one, I put Minnesota with three question marks, uh, only because Kirk Cousins 
is getting older. He is coming off an ACL injury, and I know his game isn't really predicated on him running, but he won't be back for the start of the season. So what do you do if you're the Vikings? Um, you don't have a day one start on the, on the books now, and your record is good enough right now, so you won't be picking high enough in the draft to be able to get um, Drake May, who I think will fit perfect within their system. So it's really interesting, but I know Justin, um, the Bears won't trade Justin to the Vikings, but a Justin Fields, Justin Jefferson kind of combination with KJ Osborne and Addison, um, I think it's Addison. Uh, I think his name is Addison. The uh, the rookie wide receiver they have would be interesting for Vikings fans, even though that's not going to happen, um, especially as far as um, Justin getting traded over there this offseason. So that's scenario one. You trade Justin Fields away. Um, you get uh, a first and maybe a first and a third for him or whatever you're looking at because those teams will be in well now, win now mode. We use our number one overall pick that we get um, that we got from Carolina to grab Caleb Williams. Uh, we can still try to, um, we'll, we'll be able to try to maybe get um, a Romeo on Doomsday from Washington or um, Malik, Na Malik Neighbors from um, LSU to to parasite DJ Moore because Marvin Harrison will be gone at that point. And then we'll use that other pick that we got from the trade for Justin Fields to be able to either get an edge rusher, uh, three technique, D tackle, etc., to be able to fill in some gaps. So. There are a lot of different scenario, um, ways you can go with that if Justin's not the guy. Scenario A, trade Justin, get um, get get a get Caleb in the draft, and then build around Caleb Williams in the offense. Give us more time so before we have to pay the quarterback out because next year we will have to pay Justin um, out. So that is scenario A. Scenario B is all right. We're going to keep Justin. We're going to trade for Marvin. I mean, we're going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or the fifth number one pick, or we trade down number two. I wouldn't trade down further than three, honestly, um, because Marvin Harrison is too good of a prospect, in my opinion, to miss out on just because we have a high draft pick and we're not getting a quarterback. Like, I don't understand that that this this way of thinking of hey, we have the best pick. Let's not get the best player in the draft. Let's get the second best player in the position that we need. doesn't really make sense to me. Or the third best player. Like, no, like, we're not, we shouldn't trade down at six or seven just because we have one to get more picks. No, get the guy that's going to be impossible to, uh, to cover um, single. Put him on the other side of DJ Moore or work him in the fly because I've seen him work in the fly at Ohio State. And let's see what happens when we could just Stress this ball out, throw throw the ball deep and see where we can go from there. New offensive coordinator and let's let's get the key let's keep let's have Justin keep the keys. More more tools out there and let's go for it. Um I was also looking at uh, free agency for wide receivers as well. Because we don't have a number two or number three receiver. Cole Komet, Cole Komet is a great tight end, uh, especially for what we're doing with them. But we want guys to stretch the um, the field vertically. So there's three names I've seen that will be a big improvement for the Bears as far as the wide receiver aspects goes. So number one, T. Higgins from um, from Cleveland. I mean from Cincinnati. Uh, from all out, for what I've been hearing a lot, that he is not going to resign with the team, be a free agent. So. He will probably go to the highest bidder. We have the we have we have the cap room to be able to sign him, and 
let's see what that would take us. So a three-headed monster of DJ Moore, T. Higgins, and Marvin Harrison Jr. will be a great improvement of what we have right now. Number two, Hollywood Brown. He'll come at a cheaper price tag. Smaller receiver. I think he's about five foot nine. But he will work great in that slot. Uh, I was a big fan of him up his coming out of college out of Oklahoma. But also when I was a fan of him as well when he was in um, Baltimore as a number one. He really didn't thrive as a number one out there. They did make the decision to get to go away from him. But as a number three in our system, maybe even number four, because you also call Cole Command out there. He can do a lot of damage. He's very fast, um, elusive, and getting him the ball on the run will be very dangerous for a lot of teams to be able to cover. So that's really a big one as well. And this last one, of course, is going to be Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis. Um, more of a far-fetched one. Um, definitely number one guy. Um, so maybe a little bit tougher to be able to get. But if Indianap, um, if the Colts don't resign him or they have difficulties trying to keep him on that team, he's a guy that's going to get you those really tough catches in the middle of the field. Um, another guy that demands double teams. Another guy that's going to be really tough to be able to stop in that um, in a passing game. So scenario scenario B gives you more weapons with fields. Shoring up the interior interior O line, so getting a new center, getting um replacing um, Cody Whitehair at, at guard as well, and revamping this offense and then filling in some holes here and there when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. So I think Poles has a lot of different options they can he can go with. I honestly prefer option B, but I wouldn't be offended or I wouldn't be sad if. We went option A and got more um, more young talent to be able to build around this really great defense that we've been building. Um, still got to make a decision on what you'll do with Eberflus. I think Gatsy's going all the way, but Eberflus, if he's able to win these next two games, if he's able to win these next two games and get over 500, I, I don't see why we don't keep him. Like I don't see why we get rid of a coach that got us above 500. The last time we did that was Lovey Smith. We won 10 games, we got rid of them, and we didn't win 10 games for another, like, 10 years. So, I think from that point, we just need to just, hey, we got things in place, change the offensive coordinator, change the outlook on offense, and let's see what's going to happen with the overall team if, if we go forward and keep keep it together. The improvement when it comes to wins is outrageous. We only won three games last year. Now we're up here challenging for a playoff position, challenging playoff position now. So it is a huge difference in one year, and I think we can still have this trajectory going up. Um, being six and nine right now, have a, having the potential to be eight and nine and sticking to the playoffs is something that is far fetched, especially how we started the season off. Um, so a lot of this is predicated on the draft and. For me, um, how I do the show and how I did it for beginning for most of the most of this season. Uh, once again, this is my first time doing a solo show, um, uh, solo podcast. I usually I did it before, but it, it was a group of three of us. And how I do it is that we'll look at the games for the week, 
and anybody that was on my radar, especially first round guys, if you have been paying attention to the show before, you will see that, oh, I would watch their actual game. Not the game film, not the highlights. I will watch the games and see how they would prefer perform in situations against tough competition, etc. Um, this is the reason why I wouldn't um, draft um, um, Fatu from Penn State just because I see him get bull rushed by a smaller um, edge rusher, and I think that that's one of those things that was a red flag. That's what get, that's what made me become more of a fan of Joe Olt. I wasn't watching highlights. I wanted to see. I wanted to just zoom in and take a look at a player in a full game and see what his strengths and weaknesses are. That's kind of like that's the nerd part of me when it comes to this game. And so overall, um, when the regular season ended and we had this gap before both season um, picked up, I started really understanding that. The college football bowl season is something that's really flawed when it comes to um, um, what's going on with um, how the games are are played. So um, there are a bunch of okay. Let me let me let me let me track that. So. Before the playoffs, before the playoffs start, the bowl games were a little. The when the BCS era, the bowl games were, I think, more enjoyable. More enjoyable. The matchups were, were really good. You had, you know, top ten matchups um, from teams that you would never see play each other. You would have really interesting games. You would have, of course, you would have your Rose Bowl matchup, which was always. Um, the Big Ten versus the Pac-12, unless one of those teams was in, was in the championship and then somebody had to fill in. But you had more compelling games throughout the throughout the bowl season. And the the players were playing for those bowl games. They really wanted to play in those bowl games. But now things have changed. And I'm not a person that's going to put the blame on the, on the players. You know, the NIL money came in, of course, but a lot of players... I just sitting out the bowl games, and I remember started a few years back with Ed Oliver. He was a talented D tackle. He was playing at Houston at the time, and him and his coach had a dispute. They had a disagreement throughout the season, and once they lost, I think a couple of games towards the end of the season, Ed Oliver just decided he wasn't gonna play the bowl game. Like in his mind, there was no reason for him to go out there and play the game. There was a little backlash on um, on social media about uh, and the sports world about oh Ed Oliver's not playing the game he's selfish this that and, and this that or whatever and now how things and uh, how things have evolved 2023 and transfer portal is um, more prevalent so players are transferring even though the season's not over uh, it was one of the big um, Things I saw with this Kyle McCord from Ohio State. He transferred and he was on the sideline. I think it was at South Alabama or I'm not sure. I got to look up the school. But he was on the sideline with his new team while they were getting blown out in their bowl game. So these players are doing the same things the coaches are doing. Because the coaches used to leave in the middle um, before the bowl happened. And then 
a team that had 10, 11 wins gets blown out because they have a brand new coach because their new their their former coach just said, oh, I got, I got no more money and we'll have to go to this new team and start recruiting right now. And so I say that to say that when it comes to um, recruiting, all right, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to um, to for me to be able to scout these guys and look at these guys overall, it's a little bit tougher now because a lot of guys aren't playing the bowl games. Like you, you're not seeing the top end guys play the bowl game unless they're playing for the national championship. Like if they're a team to make the playoff, um, the playoff. If they aren't, you know, Bama, Texas, Washington, or Michigan, a lot, a lot of the guys just aren't playing. You don't know who's going to be on the depth chart until a couple of days before uh, for the game. So it makes it a little bit difficult um, to to get those guys and see them one last time before they go into go into this um, to the draft combine and do the whole process. So it does make it a little bit more difficult for me on my side as a, as a podcaster to be able to look at the game and and look at them the way I want to look at them. Um, that being said, I was looking through a lot of the the holes that we need, not just in the first round, because I've I feel like I've done a decent job at, at kind of going through and profiling that throughout the season, but. More, more so ever, all right, after that first round goes, what are we going to do in this, the third round? Like, what what are, they, what are our other picks going to look like to be able to fill in some of these holes on the roster? And it's hard to be able to look at that because some of those guys that I was looking at may or may not be playing. And I, overall, it's, it, it made it a little bit tougher, but... I did find a guy that might be a, a diamond in the rough that can help us out. So, as I said on previous shows, I haven't been really a big fan of Eddie Jackson in probably like two or three years. Uh, I feel like he's on a decline. He doesn't really want to be out there too much. Um, he's a guy that I would suggest that the Bears wave, cut, whatever you got to do. That being said, we will need to replace him. And... Jaquan Brister has been a really great defensive pickup for us um, from Penn State. Uh, always around the ball, likes to lay, lay, likes to tackle, sure tackler. Um, one of those guys that he can play in the box um, and just buzz around to the ball a lot. With that being said, you still need another kind of safety to be able to play opposite of him. And so when I was looking at the top safeties in the, in this upcoming draft, uh, I saw the top two were Tyler Newbin and Bo Braid from uh, from Maryland. So Tyler Newbin's from Minnesota. Bo Braid is from uh, Maryland. And both of those guys are really big kind of sure tackler, sure tackle. Um, they're, even though they're all... Now there's just safety. There's no free or strong safety anymore in the league. It's just everybody. Um, safeties are just safeties now. These are more physical kind of in the box. I'm going to hit you, kind of guys. And having those kind of guys next to Brister, I feel like is a. It's kind of is redundant. I don't need a 
two guys that can play in the box because I know one guy's going to play in the box and our linebackers and the tackles are good enough that we don't need two of the same kind of safeties. So I was looking at um, Kareem Kitchens from University of Miami. Um, six foot, 205 pounds. Um, from the county report, I looked at He's a very good athlete, good awareness and play recognition. Um, he's great at reading the quarterback's eyes. He's a high motor, um, and he can also tackle as well. So he's one of those guys that could play um, both in the box and um, deep, which is really good. He also has really good ball skills and able to be able to go up there and go get it whenever he needs to. Um, as far as negatives go with the scouting report, um, they say he's not great with backpedaling, but he's just one of those guys that could just play football. And having him, having really good football players is something that I think is important as far as going all out, as far as making it, filling up the, plugging these holes and not having to pay, um, play. Um, I'm mean, sorry, pay um, older guys when you have to, um, when you still have to pay the future of your franchises or young, or guys that's coming up and doing great. Um, one of the big things I realized, um, I noticed from Kitchen, uh, from Kitchen, um, Kitchens when I was looking at him was that he was starting at the University of Miami by the time he, by the um, at the end of his freshman season. And anybody who understands college football knows it is very difficult to even get playing time as a freshman. Um, but being able to be a starter at Miami, where though that defensive backfield has been legendary um, over the years, and still they still produce really great talent as far as NFL talent, um, it's very difficult to be able to sit back and start that um start that early so um being a long time starter getting a lot of snaps under his belt that is something that I am I'm intrigued by uh this year he he had um he he had 40 he had 50 I'm sorry 59 uh total set tackles five interceptions um they said that he is going to play in the pinstripe bowl, so I will be taking a look at him as well. So if he is playing in this game, um, it's going to be really interesting to see um, what he does and how is going to um, how things are going to go as far as him flying around the field, etc. So overall, it's going to be a real interesting overall um, pickup if we are able to get him, especially because they, he has a third round grade on him right now, and that's where I would want to grab one of um, a safety from if we are able to get one. Uh, the defense does have a few things, but grabbing Kitchens will be able to shore up that secondary and help us out in in the overall scheme of making this 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 defense that turned the corner around the um, halfway part in the part in the season and making them an elite team going into the next season. There, um, but there's so many different avenues, so many different things that can take place. Just looking at the overall shakeup of the draft there's so many um variables going on especially what how these next two games go so um just looking at these next two games we're going to see who's going to be on this team we're going to be off what's going to happen with fields 
what's gonna happen with Eddie Jackson, all these, there's so many variables and so many things that Ryan Pace has to look forward to. But there are, I think, a lot of ways that the Heat, that the Bears can imp improve, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the Bears are going to improve, especially when it comes to um, going out there and m creating a um, a culture of winning within a franchise. Um, you hear teams like Pittsburgh, and before this year, New England had this culture of winning where all the guys in the locker room were used to winning. So it wasn't just, oh, they don't know how they made mistakes at the end of the game to lose games. Like, no, these guys knew how to put it together and win games at, um, towards the end of the season. And honestly, I think that's what Ryan Poles needs to work on. He needs to create this culture of winning. And right now, being 6-9 and nine, has the potential to be uh, defending the season 8-9. Um, going on a hell of a run at the end of the season, that would be a great pickup and a great thing to be able to do within this uh, organization. But only time will tell. Um, but um, I'm just I'm going to cut it off here. Um, that's all I got for y'all today. Until next time, I want to let y'all know. Continue to bet that up.